0: This is Brian Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. This is episode number one fifty nine of the podcast. So, if you've been listening since the beginning, you've heard one hundred and fifty eight episodes so far. And this is our fourth uh, podcast on uh, on YouTube. So, the fourth time you actually get to see us while we do while we uh, do the show. I'm I'm here in my family room, and I will be joined. Uh, if all goes well, be Zoom uh, by a distinguished panel of comics and special guests today. Uh a couple of things that you probably noticed something a little different here. Uh just felt like a change. <laughs> you know, it like, might feel like I just want to change something myself. So I grew th- I grew this goatee. I haven't had a goatee in a while, and the damn thing came in gray. And I'm debating, it's not all the way in yet. It's still coming. So see, it's still coming in. And I'm debating whether or not I should color it whether I should color it or whether I should leave it like all gray and salt and peppery. And, and I'm not sure. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it out to public referendum and I will leave it to you. Uh, send me an email uh, to Brian Copeland Show at Gmail and tell me whether you think I should color it or whether I should just leave it exactly the way that it is. I'll do, I will do whatever it is that you say. You like that? See see what I do for my my, my, my viewers and my listeners. Whatever you want, I will do. It's, it's that, it's just that simple. Uh, just one thing before we, uh, we, we get to, uh, to the comics, uh, kind of public service announcement. The Center for Disease Control yesterday uh, approved uh, two new vaccines, uh, one through Pfizer, one through Moderna for COVID, because we got a COVID series coming. It's already started. Hospitalization rates are ticking up. Um, the new variants that are around are um, descended from Omicron, I think. And uh, they say that they are completely immune to any of the vaccines that you've had so far. So any vaccine, if you're completely up to date in your vaccinations, it means absolutely nothing as far as these new variants are concerned. So they say that everybody over the age of six months needs to get the shot. It should be available as early as next week. Everybody over the age of six months get it. If you're somebody who's got asthma, lung problems if you're somebody over the age of 65 if you're somebody who's got respiratory issues you may need to get two or three of them so um so take it seriously and get the shots i know we've got these they people have COVID fatigue well you know i get flu fatigue from getting the flu every year there's lots of things we get fatigue from but you know you grow up and you're an adult you take care of what's got to be taken care of you know i'm so tired of hearing people i'm not getting another shot they're not telling me what to do i have freedom you know, I don't have to get a shot. I have freedom. No, I call it, I don't call that freedom. I call that Darwinism. That's what I call that. If you've got a way to protect yourself so that you don't get a potentially deadly deadly disease, but you're instead going to listen to Fox News and Newsmax and Trump and right-wing idiots and decide not to protect yourself, that's Darwinism. So this should not be politicized. It never should have been politicized. Just go get the damn shot. Get the shop. Hmm. This is part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. Three special guests joining us this week. First, Lord Mayer, who is always here, but she's still a special guest, even though she- <laughs> this is episode I- number 100- 159, I figured out. 159. Oh. You've you probably done about 140 of, them, I think, Lawrence. Maybe. So, I
1: haven't been on in a while, and this is my first time on video. So. First time
0: on video. This is our fourth one on video, so, oh, okay. so welcome. It's
1: been a while. Thank you.
0: Uh, uh, Kate Robards is is joining us, one of the, the hottest rising young comics coming up in New York. She came from here and bailed, left us to go work for Time Magazine in New York. How are things going?
2: Uh, they're great you know i'm working from from home today and dog sitting you know so, so I apologize for the dog barking
0: <laughs> okay it's all right you, you, know, you, you control you have a muzzle or something or <laughs> a tranquilizer gun something bottle. you know or uh, trazodone works real well trazodone which is doggy valium that works really, really well and uh, special guest, all for special guests, uh, is, uh, is, is Tom Sawyer. If you don't know Tom, uh, Tom is a legend in Bay Area comedy. Um, there are so many of us, including and, my, and especially myself, who, whose careers we owe so much to Tom uh, for what he did when he had the original cops comedy club in San Francisco and how he found talent and nurtured talent and told us what we needed to do and what we needed to drop. And it just had an, an eye and a gift for it. And, uh, and now, well, first, th- good to have you for that. And now you're doing voice work.
3: Yes. Voice work. And, and also there's a documentary out about, uh, Cobbs and myself and, uh, the days of of uh, Chestnut Street and the cannery and Columbus Avenue, where Cobbs is still located.
0: Um, you uh, you mentioned the documentary um, where Well, I have two questions. Number one, where can you see it? That's the first question.
3: Tubi, okay. uh, you can see it for free on Tubi or Plex or um, it's on Amazon Prime. And uh, so it's uh, it's out there. It's uh, and it's called The Comedy Club. And it also um has uh the late Bob Saget in it, one of the uh and um Dana Carvey, Paula Poundstone, um Kevin Pollack, Kevin Nealon, a lot of Kevins. Ooh. Uh Kevin, <laughs> All it, the Kevin's couldn't get up. Kevin Rooney, that's a, unfortunately. Uh but there's a lot of folks in it. George Wallace, um, Bill I'm Maher. You
0: am I in it? I, I somebody told me I was it. I haven't, I haven't I,
3: seen it. I' I, you might be in it for a, a bit. There's so many people that aren't in it because, you know, it's like uh um one is I it, it always go. People go, why? I Why wasn't I in it? And I'm going because I wasn't the director. <laughs> it wasn't my movie. It's right. about me. I don't get to go. Here's how I would portray me. You know, <laughs> you can't,
0: but, can't, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm getting motion sick. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am I'm, so
2: sorry. I was you know dog sitting right i i had to do a peanut butter activity wall this dog is um my got my dream life this this dog is um living the dream this dog has my dream apartment my dream life my dream diet um so yeah peanut butter so hopefully uh she won't be barking anymore so All right. well, hopefully
0: cool. <laughs> you'll bark bark until we get through this hour um, I'm going to start with this. I, I was I had something else I wanted to start with because usually we start with news stories, but this was something that was kind of brought to my attention right before we 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 signed on. Um, there is a debate that's going on uh, around Bay Area comics right now on Facebook about whether or not crowd work, and that is playing. you know what crowd work? Don't know what that is? You know, it's it's not doing your act; it's playing with the audience. It's, it's, you know, what do you do for a living? Where are you from? Walking out in the crowd, playing with the audience instead of doing prepared stuff. Whether or not that is actually legitimate stand-up and legitimately an art form, or whether or not it's just a, it's something that hack lazy comics do. And Tom, I want to ask you first, <laughs> uh, ask you first. You're, is it something that just hack lazy comics do?
3: Well, there, there are people who are amazing at it and incorporate it into their show, Um, Paula Poundstone uh, is one of those. She's, she is brilliant at it. So I would never want to see a show where Paula Poundstone uh, for uh, where she was not doing crowd work, but she has, she's magical. It's, it's, uh, I've, you know, um, Jimmy Brogan did it a lot. That was almost his entire act but i also thought that jimmy wasn't really good at controlling the audience like paula is mm-hmm. um and everybody else i think it's hacky <laughs> i think it's i think it it just it sh- screams i don't have enough time to fill and i and i and I'm not, i don't want to say who the comic was but i saw a comic at a theater who i love and um and uh, it, it was probably the most disappointed I'd been seeing this guy. And he's he played Cobbs for, for a decade. And, he, you know, he's been out there for since the um, since the late um, since the 90s. And so, you know, actor and comedian and, a, you know, a guy who I really admire, especially stand up wise. And about, you know, 35 minutes into his act it just stops and he's like, okay, now crowd work. I mean, pretty much you could have said that it, it just cor- Paula incorporates it seamlessly seamlessly into her act with other material. He basically stopped the show, did some crowd work. And I just, oh, I was so annoyed. Watch the clock. Yeah. Sure yeah you and, then, the clock, the clock. and then, and uh, then, and then once it stopped, it stopped. And, and then there was another 10 or 15 minutes of material There is a trend in comedy right now that that drives me nuts, which is I have to put on an entirely new show uh, from, you know, instead of like incorporating like a half an hour's worth of material from, you know, the hits. How about the hits? You know, let's call them the hits. Well, uh, how about the- half an hour of hits and then some new then a bunch of new stuff i'm here's, all for new stuff
0: here's, here's the problem the problem is is that everybody's putting their stuff up uh, uh, is putting one minute clips of their stuff on tiktok or putting okay. it on facebook or putting it on or other- putting
3: it in a hbo <laughs> special or a, or a, a comedy special on many yeah. of the sites that, that there are but people still want to hear the hits i can hear don't stop believing by journey By a multitude of uh, over multitudes of years and multitudes of uh, singers, but I but when I go see Journey, I want to hear "Don't Stop Believing." Okay, I'm going to stop you here because you're embarrassing yourself. Well, I'm using Journey as an example that we all know and love.
1: Uh, uh, Can I chime in, Brian, with one addition to his list? Um, And I'm also dating myself for how old I am here. Um, I did uh, waited in line when I lived in New York to do Catch a Rising Star a long time ago. And it was a day that Robin Williams dropped in and I was singing my comedy songs. And thank God I went on before him, not after. Not And I think he had come in prepared. with I didn't meet him or anything, but he came in prepared with stuff. But this poor woman got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of his set. And he just riffed with her the rest of the time. And it was still one of the most magical things I've ever seen. I feel sorry for that poor woman. She probably has bladder problems to this day. But he riffed. And I've seen some comedians do it almost as a response to hecklers. Um, so I think that. That's can-
0: different. I'll give you a break yeah. with hecklers. I'll give you a but,
1: I mean, that was the
2: whole well, no, rest look,
0: of the show. He stopped. Kate, well, well, yeah, because Kate, you're in the, yeah. trenches. You're well, in the trenches.
2: I, I think, um, I mean, what you were saying about the clips is a really big thing. And it's, you know, I being a jazz fan, knowing comedy is born out of jazz, right? You've got Lenny Bruce hanging out with the jazz musicians. You know, Ella Fitzgerald did 10 nights in L.A. And Columbia released one night and they found these albums in a room. And it was like, oh, out of these 10 nights, there were different celebs, right? She's imp- she's She's riffing off of who's in the audience. She's improvising and they released them all as an album. And I use that as an example of like, you know, nothing's new. But with everybody videoing all their sets, you're going to have these little moments, these little magic moments, and you look at Matt Rife, who's like the hottest, you know, young, and I mean, like physically, he's had work done, <laughs> uh, young male comedian. <laughs> and then like Ari Schaefer, uh, Big J Okerson, I think just announced they're doing um, full specials that are just crowd work, and it's definitely I, I use Ella Fitzgerald because it's like she's a she's an artist that has withstood the test of time already, and it doesn't it's not at the sacrifice of her art form, right? It was in addition to, and they were cut out from the original album. So I think if you're just doing it as a means to not have solid writing and solid work, or, you know, like Tom was saying, your core. Although I don't think, I think like comedy dates itself. Comedy language is always in flux. So it's like comedy is the worst dated, like journey that that song can live up, right? Music can live up, but like, comedy ages, you know, even in the short oh, amount keep of time. Ready
0: oh. joke, keep ready joke. Although there's certain there are, although was mentioned and there's certain bits that I can hear over and over and over again that still make me laugh. Well the
3: and the other thing oh. is uh, that um you know how many times have you had somebody go uh, a, a civilian not a real comedian not a comedian but a civilian go, I saw this comic last night do this joke and they start telling doing you the joke and you're going, I'm I'm definitely sure they didn't do it like that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to be laughing a very polite way right now, but that's not how that comedian did it. And that's the thing is what happens is we all do that. We go, oh, you got to see this guy. He has this bit. And then you take him to the comedy club next time he's in town to see him. And he doesn't do the bit because now it's a whole new act. Uh, And it's not quite as good because, you know, look, everything goes in cycles. Comics, you know, aren't magic every time. You know, I've seen Bill Burr like dozens and dozens of times. And, you know, probably 80 percent of the time it's brilliant. But they're 20 percent of the time where it's like, okay, that was good, but not it wasn't one of his best. And, you know, I always say when you have some hits, it's always good. Sprinkle them in. It's not going to hurt anything. And especially if you have the kind of catalog that somebody like Bill Burr has where some of this stuff is timeless because it's stories about when you were growing up and stuff like that. Same with Brian Regan, you know, do some of the hits. It's not going to kill anything. It, you know, it's going to make the set stronger. It's going to, you know, everybody's going to be tapping their friend. This is the bit, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm pretty much a little bit old school in that sense where even if it's like 40 minutes out of an hour, that's new. I'm okay with that. Just throw in some hits.
0: You and that's usually how it is when you go to a concert. When you, you know, like you said, when you go to a concert, you want to hear him do the hits. You don't want to hear him just, you know, Prince would actually get um, some grief from that. Because Prince would come into places and we actually kind of sneak into places where, uh, you know, places that held like three or four hundred people and you had to know somebody in order to get in. And then he'd sit down and play all new stuff, yeah. stuff that nobody would ever heard before. And a lot of people would leave disappointed. Because they wanted to hear Little Red Corvette and they wanted to hear, you know, know, Purple Rain and some of the other some of the other stuff. Um, Yeah, so some deep cuts. One more
1: thing Um, There was a great story, but I know a lot of artists get tired of doing their greatest hits. And I read this in the obit for Tony Bennett. Somebody asked him if he got tired of singing. I left my heart in San Francisco. And he said, no, do you get tired of making love? And I thought that was a really good way. of That was a little
3: snippy of Tony.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, you have Steve Martin who quit because he was like, every time I go to do my joke, the audience beats me to it. Right. And I think there's a way Mike Birbiglia does this great thing where he's like, he does a call back to people who know his work and it's not repeating the work. But he's like, you know, his wife's name is Jen, not Chloe. And he's like, my wife's name is Jen. So I said, Chloe. And he's done that in all of his shows. That doesn't mean that that's what that show is about. But I think whenever like you're referring to someone like Bill Burr, it's kind of killed once the specials come out. You can refer to it, but it's like I it's feel hard. like you
0: can't do it. You can't do it.
2: At least not ever. You can, but it's it's also I, I just feel like uh, time, right? It's, and and also my job as a comic is not to make you laugh. My job is to make you think, and that's George Carlin, right? Yeah, and and hopefully laugh.
3: Yeah. But well, don't get me wrong. I I'm yeah. the biggest, you know, proponent of new stuff. You know, I think you have to keep moving. Comedy is, you know, like the Woody the Allen living, joke about a shark. Would, you know, you the shark has to me, keep moving forward or it dies. Well, you, Comedy you, you is the same way.
0: me was that it was a living, breathing thing.
3: Right. That's Absolutely.
0: Really Absolutely. Mean, it was a living, breathing For me,
2: thing. The bigger thing is that that clipifying thing because I see so many clips that do well online and I see them in person and I'm like, it suck. it's, it's, uh, you know, it's subjective, but I'm like, they're not getting the laughs. It's, it was really edited. Well, it was really, but it's just not the same person because you're watching a highly edited version of something. Yeah.
3: And also I and- want to make it clear. I'm just talking about like crowd work and, you know, doing filler stuff. If You're doing an hour of new show, new material and it's actual material. I'm, I'm okay with that. But when, when you're resorting to doing stuff that, you know, the person I'm talking to, I've never seen do crowd work ever. And it was okay, but most crowd work I've seen, I would say 90% of it is a, it's a trick. It's like a magic trick. It's like, you know, you do things that are, you know, are easy and simple and, and I, there, there hasn't been a bunch of times where I was blown away by anybody doing crowd work, other than again, yeah. Paula Poundstone. Oh,
0: Poundstone who was just a manager. i will you, who else uh-huh. was? was, yeah. was, was uh, Steve, Mar- I used, I opened for Steve Allen a bunch of times, and uh, and Steve Allen was great at crowd work. That was actually he would slot in twenty minutes out of his set that just to do crowd work, and it would yeah. all be different. It would be different every night, and it and it would, it was would be funny every night.
3: You if know, it's so organic, it's, I think it's great. I mean, that's the thing is I, this was so unbelievably like the show, like the show put on the brakes to do crowd work. And then, you know, now we're going to do material again.
0: It was that so, you, really so weird. obviously just filling time. Let me, let me, let me shift, shift gears for just a minute. Too, cause you, um, something else I wasn't going to talk about, but I, I do want to mention, I do want your take on, um, cause you, you were mentioning, you know, some of the comics from back in the nineties and you used to book Louis C.K. a lot. Louis mm-hmm. C.K. used to come through Cops. and yeah. there is a new documentary out uh, that is at the film festivals, and I don't know if anybody's picked it up yet, but apparently, you know, Netflix or somebody's going to pick it up. And what it's called is, um, was Louis C.K. really canceled? Because uh, you know, once it came out, what he'd been doing with 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 younger uh, female comics who had less uh, power in the business than he had and he was masturbating in front of them or would ask them. That was the whole thing. Well, I asked, you know, if, if it was
3: okay. He did if, that to one of my waitresses I found out later on. Are you serious? Yeah.
0: Really? And he would ask. And, and, uh, and so what happened was, when this came out, uh, he, he, he had all these deals that were set up uh, for television, shows that he was starring in, as well as shows that he was producing and a movie coming out. All that stuff got canned. And then six, you know, he wasn't working. And then six months later, he starts working out in clubs. And then within a year, he'd won a Grammy. He'd won a Grammy award within a year of this happening. And now he's selling out Madison Square Garden again. So, do do you think that he that he served his time in show business jail? That he that he what was? Can, can you really say that he got
3: canceled? Who do you want to say? <laughs> Now, I'm curious. I'm uh, well, I, I would curious. say no, I would say he did something wrong, and right. he sir, he that was you know it wasn't enough to you know put him uh, you know get him arrested, but it was enough for people to remember that's the guy that did that. I mean, it takes it a little while to get that out of your out, head. It. It it's like um, I see Jeffrey Tubin on CNN. I know that's the guy that has pants around his ankles. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's this. It takes a while for that picture to get out of your head. You know, and the thing, the 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 ugly truth is, we knew about this before. Uh, a lot of people in the comedy community knew about this before it became public. In fact, I was telling uh, some people when the Me Too movement came up about, and a lot of people were getting, you know, um, exposed for what they did. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, I knew I I. I felt that I was hoping that Louis and his people would get ahead of this thing, put him in rehab or whatever, call you know, come out as a yeah. sex addict or whatever you do. Rehab. Yeah, Re- you know. What
0: kind of rehab is there, is it okay if I jerk off everybody? What kind of what kind of yeah. rehab?
3: Are you- well, yeah. you you come out and say I I I, I, have, I have issues and problems. You get ahead of it. You try to get ahead of it somehow, yeah. but instead they you know I think uh, Louis's management tried to intimidate uh, the people that were coming uh, uh, that were starting oh, to come great. out. Yeah, they were they were they were, you know, you're never going to work in this town type of thing again. So um, which is too bad. Um, I I think he could have got ahead of it. I mean, I've known Louis for a while. He's a bit he's he's a very odd duck, you know. Um, So and then I heard about him doing this and that was I just felt like, uh, you know. It's it's kind of and it got it got worse. It started out. I think it started out with him being polite about it. Uh, hey, do you want to? You would you like to come to my hotel and do you know watch me do such and such? And then later on, it became like, hey, would you like to come to my hotel? And then, hey, do you mind if I do such and such now that you're here? And um, so it and then it became like him leaning against the door and doing such and such and going, hey, if you don't want me to do this, just say stop. So it it got worse and worse.
0: All right. Let me ask Lauren. Do, do, you, do you think that um, do you think that he suffered enough repercussions for what happened?
1: I mean, I don't know because I I don't know what he did during that downtime. I like to think maybe he got into he wrote he, what he did during he time. did what
0: he wrote he wrote and he was popping into clubs in New York and working stuff out and then in, in the next you know the next Grammy Awards he won a Grammy. I mean, I he's still not Madison Square Garden again. Yeah, obviously, don't care his fans don't fans
1: don't care, and I don't know if it's for me to judge. I mean, again, it's all sort of relative. I mean, compared to Matt Lauer and you know a few other people who did way worse things, you know. On the other hand, by that logic, Al Franken should be back in Congress because I don't think. Oh no, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, I. I don't even know what enough is. I wish he had gotten into therapy. I wish he had maybe come out as a sex addict because that is a real thing and it makes people do crappy things and gotten some, you know, and let's hope he's not doing it again. So, you know, if he's... So, I don't know. I just feel like it's so... This whole system is rigged anyway. So, I don't know what... Let me ask because
0: Kate, cause, cause Kate you, you, as I you're say, you're, you're, you're in the trenches because you, you work on the club. So, you're in the trenches. And um, is there... Um, have you heard of, or are there weird things that are going on that you're aware of?
2: Well, I would say this, first of all, like I'm not even working the clubs. Like, I, <laughs> and I do work at Time, but I work at Time Studios. You know, I'm, I'm passed at some low level clubs and I do a lot of like the, you know, the downtown kind of like kooky scene. And I think. I watch your clips all the time. That's why I say you're. Power dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm out there every night, but it's like, you know, the clubs are still, I'm not at the cellar, I'm at one down the street. So it's like, I think the biggest thing, I love what Sarah Silverman said on the Howard Stern show. She said, uh, yeah, he asked me and I was never intimidated because I'm funnier than him. And I, <laughs> I, her. Yeah. And I think where that power dynamic comes, you know, I'm not, um, I'm trying to, think. like I, I, you know, if I'm at the stand, I, I'm not like a club regular at the stand, but I'll do some of their shows and I have a monthly show there. You know, I see comics, you know, like there's people who I super admire. And I'm, uh, I think for me, what was interesting were comics who you never saw go places who were like this power dynamic. And I felt like I had to say yes. And, um, and I don't know, I'd like what I think what Lauren said, it's like if his audience follows him, I'm a fan of his. And I think, you know, he's not a Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Uh, it's subjective. I'm not saying I'm not one of the women who that happened to, but you know, it's like I live in New York and people have their privates out all the time. And I'm like, ah, you know, so yeah. uh you know, put put that away, or like like do, you know, or you just look away, or even I mean, I work in TV and film for my day job. So it's like you have to be hyper careful what happens and you know I, I work for women specifically like my boss created Gullah island and taina and i i think it's like it feels safer for me to work for a woman cuz who's you know married with kids or whatever cuz i'm like maybe she won't violate me but i think that power dynamic is the biggest thing and and i i've downloaded this, spe- but i've paid 699 for those specials i've and, and what is counsel what is counselable? i don't know i don't know and it's like, a I sad
1: comment like you said kate we just get used to i mean i've been around for a long time and just got used to you know bosses her you know you just oh you know i somebody who kept, kept telling me he watched me change backstage for a show and my reaction was a, a TV personality. And my reaction was, if you haven't seen it at this age, maybe you should. I mean, I just you know, you sort of crack <laughs> jokes about it. I, I saw a flasher on the subway right before, because I, I lived in New York back in the 80s. You know, flashers were all the time. And, my only, and this guy wasn't just flashing. My only reaction was, oh, God, I just got these pants back from the dry cleaners. I mean, you know, you just, you just kind of let some of that stuff roll off. And that doesn't mean it's right. Um, yeah. But there's so many bigger things to worry about. I guess Lucy C.K. Let him work. I think that's his own
0: there, are, there are, you know, there are people. You know, I, I was I was Cosby's opening act for ten years when he would come to the Bay Area. He's different, you know, and he, he's absolutely canceled. He thinks he's going on tour, and it's like, where are you gonna go on tour? Number one, what venue's gonna book you? And if a venue does book you, who's gonna cross the picket line? Because there will be a picket line. Who's going to cross the picket line in order to go in and see you perform?
3: Well, and who's going to be the vent? Who who, who, what venue is going to do that? It's going to affect their other shows as well. So it's like you just look. I I I think especially for things like this that aren't aren't um, have been criminally prosecuted. It's a it's a it's entirely up to the public. You know. you know so he did his t- he did his time his career is probably never going to be quite be the same as it was before but um but it's you know that's what happens when you do something that uh you know is not you know is not cool so he he, he paid his he paid the price and uh you know let's move on no,
2: real quick say about cosby so i'm from this uh small town on the texas louisiana border orange texas and right before it really came out you know everybody knew about it but before it really really came out he performed at the letcher theater in my hometown that's for, true the Let, it's called the letcher theater and it's actually oh, okay. but my and, and he said at the holiday Inn, my hometown my mom goes thank God we got him and he even did another show and I'm like they would never have gotten Cosby and she's like thank God like and this was right before it all happened but she's like at least it came out it, it was right before he was canceled because we really needed that as a town like we needed to laugh and I was just like uh you know even I mean I studied his albums as a kid and they're taken down from Spotify and it's oh, like I mean, are you have Spotify now I think so. I I think it's like, where do you separate the art from? You know, we still let Trump say, grab the pussy and and be president. Like, where is where's the art separated from the person where you know uh, yeah, using Trump a, and art and art in
1: the same sentence should not ever happen yeah i'm i'm know, I'm,
3: I'm against that kind of thing where you just get like you just you know, th- this is a body of work you know this is what he did so to me it has there are two different things you know i mean we still have Mein Kemp at the library and right. we should you know i mean i'm uh, anti-book burning i don't care what it out is out there if it's a book if it's an art it's art you know uh we need to keep it out there so we you know if it's bad we learn from it history-wise we study it we analyze it right. and and um if it's great art you know re- uh, um appreciate the art and not you don't have to you don't have to admire the person you know,
1: well, if you, but do you, you give them money? Do you give them money? That's the thing. I mean, like Spotify, they get some financial pe- yeah, Financially, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I, well, Hitler's I was, not making well,
1: I, royalties on Mein anymore, I don't think.
0: Somebody is to print. It.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah.
3: then I say we wait. Wait till Louis dies, and then we put out all his specials again.
0: Okay, <laughs> I, I, I will say I will say two things on Cosby for the Record. One is, I I, I never saw anything. I never remotely saw anything. He would, he would, um, I would see him pre-show. He would hold court before the show backstage where he usually would have a circle of 15 or 20 people who were admirers or friends of the producers or or whoever, friends of mine who I was invited to bring backstage. And he would just tell stories and be funny till time for him to come on. That's the only only thing I ever saw. And the second thing is, is have, I probably saw him and the coolest thing was getting to watch him. I watched him from the wings. And, and I probably saw him at least 20 times in never once in 20 times that I hear him repeat a joke. Never yeah. once. And every I have to
3: say, I, I, I only saw him once and it was about, about seven, eight years ago, maybe a little longer. I, 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 and I loved Cosby when I was a kid, but I didn't, I didn't laugh once. I wanted, I wanted to go, <laughs> but me and my wife were like in the middle of about like a thirty row, uh, you know, about seven rows out, thirty, right in the middle. We'd have to go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> a, like a a dozen and a half times to get to the to get out. So it, it some people it you know comedy is subjective. You know, um, I remember one time somebody uh, left a Brian Regan show <laughs> saying that was the worst thing I ever heard. The worst comedian I've ever seen. And as they were open up, opening up the door, this gigantic wave of laughter, was almost, it was almost like they were, it was pushing them out. That's and the, this person's going, this person was awful. And I'm going, did you just hear that? I mean, just you open the doors and there was an explosion of laughter. And you're telling me this person is awful. I, I get it. That's your taste. That's okay. But I'm not giving your money back. That's why Baskin Robbins has so many flavors of ice cream. Exactly. That's right. This ice cream, this pineapple, this pineapple bubblegum ice cream is awful. <laughs> hmm. Now, in that case, that's an objective fact. Right.
2: Speaking right, of so, cancel so culture, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Speaking of cancel culture, I'm just I'm I'm also super, you know, curious because there's um Shane Gillis is a comedian who just released a special and you know he was supposed to be on SNL. I don't know if you know about this, Brian, but he was um, canceled because he had said Um, things in a podcast years prior, and he never got cast on SNL, but he continued performing and doing everything. And, and I think uh, people are so especially, you know, I went to graduate school in the Bay Area, and I'm from rural Texas. And it's like, I didn't understand pronouns until I got to the Bay Area. And it's like, I always say it's the liberal uh, version of the deep south, right? It's like the converse of that, right? It's the total opposite. And Um, people can just be outraged for saying the wrong things without understanding the context and the layers. And like when you're talking about character, caricature or like, uh, you know, your sticker, whatever that kind of character is, because I mean, I have to, I had to lose my Texas accent to have a corporate job. I have to, but like, sometimes people are so quick to cancel someone that they're missing the context of what they're actually trying to say. And I think it's really fun for some people who, um, who i've told to watch shane gillis's special on netflix they're like oh well he's a racist and he's a, and i'm like watch it and tell me what you think you know right, i'm not right. saying he's, yeah. or well, he's i don't know him th- personally but
3: that, that drives me crazy the the uh, we're going to go back two three decades and and find something objectable uh, objectionable that you said and then we're going to cancel you that 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 is crazy because you know we grow up. Society grows up. Everybody evolves. So things that were funny and that were okay to say out loud, you know, 30 years ago, uh, we know that now. It, but but there, you can't put somebody in jail for something they said. You know, or you know, cancel somebody for something they said 30 years ago when bunches of people were saying stuff like that. You it? know, that like to me Fallon. is crazy.
0: It was it was like I think I think it was Fallon who who apologized for doing an impression of Chris Rock back when he was on SNL like 20 years ago and he did it in blackface and it was 20 years ago. And it's like, you know, is that something that needs to be apologized for? Now it it was 20 years ago. Not that it was okay even then. It was offensive to a lot of people even then. But it's like, is there a statute of limitations? Because look at like James Gunn. You know, James Gunn who directs the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, The third one he got fired from because they found some some was either texts or tweets, tweets. It, tweets that, that he had sent out like 20 years ago, 15 years yeah. ago. Or something. And,
3: and it only you know, proved that he was a bad comedian. Not, not that he was. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a me. That was like, okay, that's somebody trying to be edgy, you know, and every comedian goes to that phase where they go, I'm going to go out and be edgy tonight. And they go out and they step and It's like, they stepped in a huge pile of dinosaur shit. You know, they just, it's like, they and there's no way out because, as we all know in comedy, you're supposed to do, when it, you, when you got ten minutes, you're supposed to do ten minutes, and you do that joke in the first two minutes, and the show's over, but you're up there for eight minutes. <laughs> we you only know where the line is that you know until you you don't know where the line is until you cross it. And I
0: think about stuff that I used there are bits that I used to do. There's no way I could get away with now. There's absolutely
3: no. Would would you even want to? You know, that's the thing. Is like, uh, I I mean, I remember this. I was watching um, this movie, and then I I stopped watching it because I wanted to watch it with my wife. And I said, "You got to watch this movie. It's the most." It would today. It would be. It would set everybody's career on fire. And it's and it's Freebie and the Bean with James Kahn and Alan Arkin, and it is the most politically incorrect, cringe, cringy movie ever. It is, but it's hilarious in how how uh it, how things have changed. Right. And uh but you know, they haven't taken it off the shelf. You can still watch it, but if you want to watch something that even still has some amazingly funny parts in it, but it's super cringy now. Uh it's it's uh, I I highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> I, I, I remember trying to show my daughter Sixteen Candles. Oh man. <laughs> have you seen Sixteen Candles yes. at all in, in the in the last Long Duck Dog.
2: Yes. Typical characters.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Oh,
1: and yes. on the other hand, there are things you couldn't get away with now that, I mean, I still think Blazing Saddles is one of my favorite movies. And my dad showed it to my kids when they were way too young to see it. And they couldn't make that today, even though the point it was making is so valid today. Yeah. yeah.
3: But that, a lot of people forget that was, you know, Richard Pryor was one of the main writers on that film.
0: Richard yeah. Pryor was supposed to be the lead in that film. Yes. And, right. Uh, and wasn't was replaced and uh, he and Mel brooks had a major falling out because of that the fact that he was replaced uh, i watched it not too long ago to try to see if it held up it doesn't hold up we don't
3: think so no. we, we we grow up we move on and, you know i mean i watched beetlejuice last night i was so excited about it because my wife hadn't seen it before and there were moments that were still you know most of the michael keaton moments but the dialogue is really like trite and the you know, everything is the special effects are like, Boo, and and um, it doesn't hold up. I mean, you know, I wanted it to be as magical as it was for you know, the many times I watched it over the years, but it I watched it again and it just the magic had just completely worn off. You know, and I throw like, in a
1: Beetlejuice like... reference. Did you guys all see um, that Lauren Boebert got kicked uh, yeah, out? Yeah, I'm, go, I'm going it. there right now. Oh, That's sorry,
0: <laughs> where I'm going right now. And that is Representative Lauren Bovert, I, I saw this just before we came on uh, of, uh, of of Colorado on Saturday night. Went to see Beetlejuice the musical at some performing arts center in uh, in in Denver, and she was vaping, and she was singing, and she was recording the performance. Actually, had her phone out recording the performance, and so she and her husband got thrown out.
3: I, I think her husband, it's a boyfriend. It the
0: mystery man, new boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a boyfriend. Yeah, said- she's
3: getting divorced, or she is divorced. I was that the, the
0: story? The story that I had said it was her husband. The story no, her. It's, yeah. and he's not identified. But the
1: entire, I watched. I was riveting the security footage. I could not take my eyes off it. You just see her escorted the whole way out, and the whole time he's carrying her purse.
3: I think she gave one of the the guys escorting her out the finger too, which yeah, is, and classy dame. He's a classy dame. Video, I, that one.
2: Do you I, know who I am? now Do you watch the, the I footage. I saw it on Broadway because I get all these like free tickets to shows. Um, for a second, because I was friends with an influencer and they took me off the list because they were like, "She's nobody." But it was really fun. <laughs> for a second. And I, one of my favorite parts of that musical on Broadway, y'all can I mark my words? There's a a part because uh, everybody vapes everywhere. There was a part in the original Broadway musical. This dog won't start barking, and they were under the covers having this romantic scene it flew open the covers and they were vaping and I thought that was the funniest part of the musical. So I'm like the fact that they were vaping as a joke, it was a lot of comedy. It was like a very comedy heavy um gotta yeah. get this dog another bone. But like and for now her to have this vape, I'm like, is it like art imitating life? Life imitating art, you know? You no, know, she just has
1: no class. And you know it's like oh yeah.
3: Yeah. I she mean, just and she can't she loves showing off with that she has no class.
1: And it's funny, whenever I'm introducing myself to people and I'm trying to give a reference what my name is, so older people, all say Lauren, like Lauren Bacall. Younger people, all say, you know, Lauren, like who I don't. I didn't remember the Lauren who was in Gilmore Girls. But I, I just. Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. But I am cringe or Lauren Hill, except she spells it cooler than I do. But I cringe that there is somebody in Congress with my name that is that awful. All
0: right. Back to more politics. Um I just read an article, the Wall Street Journal, where the Wall Street Journal interviewed 12 people who were born on the same day as Joe Biden, the exact same day in 1942, to ask them whether or not they thought that 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 Biden is too old to run for president. And it was fascinating because the majority of them, overwhelming majority of them are still working. They're working, they're teaching, they're doing what it was they were doing before. They just never retired. And those couple that have retired, they're active, they're out there doing things. Only one person said no, that, you know, once she, once she hit 80, then she started, she got liver cancer, all of her friends are dying, those that are not dying are having dementia, issues that, that's all started after 80. So after 80 is, is downhill. The others are saying that 80 is the new 60. Now he's, he'll be 86 when if he's reelected, when he leaves office, if he lives to leave office, he'll be 86 years old. So um, they say that most Amer- most Democrats, you know, are privately saying he's too old to be running. But what what other option do we have right now? And, and it amazes me, too, that this is not a question about Trump, because Trump's only three years younger. Right. Yeah. Trump's 77. So what do you think? Do you think he's too old at to, to 80 years old to be running?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if I think, I mean, first of all, what pisses me off, like you said, is that nobody's making that same argument about Trump, who may be three years younger, but is way less healthy. And I do think age, you know, there are 80 year olds who, like you said, in that article are still working. I'm not that far from 80. So it doesn't seem that old to me anymore. And, you know, my mom is 87 and still driving, you know, to Southern California from up here. There are people who are are 80 and really fit. There are people who are 70 and are too old for office. Um, I wish he were a little younger. I wish it was a country that would just elect Kamala. I mean, I don't think that would happen.
0: Not going to happen.
1: The only way we're going to have a woman president is for him to, I don't want him to pass away in office, but for him to get elected and then decide he's got some health issues and turn it over to her. I honestly That's what think- Gerald,
0: Gerald Ford said was There was a, a Gerald Ford clip that went viral about six months ago. From like 1975, about whether or not we'd ever have a woman president. We said, yes, Great. here's how it's gonna happen. She's gonna be elected vice president and then the president will die because that's how America will get its first woman president.
1: You just that's ruined hard. my day. I'm already agreeing with Liz <laughs> Taney and now I'm agreeing with Gerald Ford. What is the world <laughs> coming to?
2: I think it's ironic that we're worried about these politicians, you know, working too old when all I hear is, you know, it's like, what are the options? My mom is poor, single mom, you know, and she's 70 and she's like, I can never stop working. And it's like, like she wants to stop working. Right. Like, and our politicians are bloated and rich, not necessarily in size. And, you know, and they have more money than most people because they, you know, we know all of, you know, the freaking uh you know, kickbacks and
0: six, they all have six feet after a while. Anyway, they, 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 they are all entitled to lifetime six figure pensions. So so, six, my,
2: so it's like, yeah, like take those. I mean, well, okay, look, give the, give those six figure pensions to people who need them. Like my mom. Right. Or yeah. the, like what about the constituents? People are tired of working. I know so many people who, you know, are broke and there is no middle class anymore. Yeah. And the, the big argument is like, are they too old? Well, show us someone else who wants to go into government. Nobody's smart and young. You know, I think the Snapchat billionaire um, once was talking about, think Evan Spiegel or whatever, the youngest American billionaire, uh, self-made, self-made, whatever, but like wanted to go into politics. Where are the young people wanting to go into politics? Because there's no innovation. There's, I don't know. I mean, we or it's, I guess it's just Lauren, uh or not lauren uh yeah lauren the um vapor and and i don't think
3: (laughs) thank you i mean i think you know it's a it's a trump biden thing i would vote for biden's brain in a jar of viscous fluid before i'd vote for trump and or any republican at this point because honestly the republican party has nothing zero zero to offer me and i've had this argument with other people and I go uh, and I go name one thing and then they name stuff and I go, that's not true. They're not about fiscal responsibility. We, we know that every time they get into office, the deficit goes up, you know, where it's all a grift to, to get um, rich people richer. And personally speaking, I would love to live in a country where there were no such thing as a billionaire. There's no reason for anybody to become a, a billionaire. Jake Johansson has this amazing joke which is really, uh, I saw him last time and, I, and I've i repeated it to a number of people about, he goes, I would never be a billionaire. I could never be a billionaire. And, it, and it, besides the obvious thing that you're thinking, it, I would never be a billionaire because I would get to a certain amount of money and I'd go, I'm done. I don't want to pick up a phone again. I don't want to have to go I don't to have to go to work. I don't want to do anything. I just want to go to the best restaurants. I want to go I want to travel around the country. I want to live in this place for for 6 months. I want to live in that place for 6 months. I don't want to work. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think about any responsibility other than I want to pay people to do the things that I don't even like to do around the house. Pay here. You you I'm going to pay you 50,000 a year dollars a year just to pay my bills. Boom, done. Don't think about that either now. So, I don't understand billionaires. I don't understand I think it's I honestly have the most as much respect for billionaires as I do. I actually have less respect for billionaires than I do. Somebody's addicted to uh, Oxycontin or uh, fentanyl I because I, they're addicts, but we elevate them to some magical status that we're supposed to respect them. They're supposed to be these brainiacs and they're just damaged, horribly damaged people who have no bottom. They're They have a they have a black hole that they can't. Ever fill, and I say that because I'm a record collector, and I can't fucking stop. The, <laughs> I can't stop <laughs> buying more music. I know what it's like to be an addict. I'm addicted to buying music. These guys are addicted to being rich. They, they, that's what they do. That's their gig. That's my job. I, I made forty three billion last year. I'm going to make forty four billion this year.
1: Well, and it's competition watch- with each other. Who's yeah. the guy, the the big Ponzi scheme guy who went to jail? Um, um, starts with the oh, ma- Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. I read this great story about him. He was a millionaire and very, very comfortable until his neighbor started making more money than he did. And that's why he started the whole scheme. He he made money doing something legitimate. I don't even remember what it was.
3: Yeah. And the yeah. only reason he's in jail is because he was ripping off rich people. Right. If you're ripping off poor people, you're okay. You then you're it, Trump. No, no, no. He,
0: he ripped off a lot of poor people. He ripped yeah, he off did, a lot actually. of people. Lot but of he pens- also
3: ripped off rich people.
0: Well, he did. Yeah that's how we got he, 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 yeah, that's he
3: got caught yeah that's how he got caught magically they have found the evidence money to do anything about it
2: but <laughs> I, I i think i work for a billionaire i just want to say billionaires run everything and i work for i i am underpaid and barely um mark benioff the salesforce billionaire owns time magazine yeah. and um when i was writing for the time 100 a couple of years ago there were uh, several billionaires in the audience. And I wanted to say, I was writing all these billionaire jokes and they all got nixed before they even probably made it to him. I was like, you know, like the next thing he's going to buy is people so he can name himself sexiest man in the world or just stupid billionaire jokes. And, um, I shut up just talk. Um, (laughs) and you know, like I said, I have have a full-time job and I have to, um, I, I pick up other work for other, I love rich people. I love, um, but it's, it's so like with great wealth comes great responsibility. And it's so what are you, spider so- man now. Yeah, really. <laughs> <You gotta laughs>
0: have- no,
2: but it's like, no, but it's like, that's not supposed to be that much. wealth. John Laster, a uh, comedian who's at the cellar a lot has a, has a joke. That's um, cause he has an app called blap. I'm um, plugging your app, John Laster. And it's a, uh, and he says, you know, he interviewed with, it's for black businesses. And, um, I don't want to ruin his joke, but it's a great, it's so much funnier than I've said, but he's like, I don't like billionaires. I don't think there should be billionaires. But with that said, I think I'd be a great billionaire. (laughs) And, uh, it is, I've met people who, you know, especially in the Bay Area, you have those good Bay Area rich people, you know, who, um, they have those good values and it's like, what are you doing with your money? Right. Um, I don't know, I'm not a billionaire. I am nowhere, you know, I'm trying to pay my rent and uh I that's all. I don't but, know.
1: But, I, the, but you don't need to be a billionaire to do good things with money. Cuz like I have a Patreon for I do weekly videos based yeah. on the news and I get supported a lot. I mean, I make a, a decent amount of money. Well, I don't think there should be people giving me, me yeah. you know, 20, 25, 100 bucks a month whatever. They're they're rich. They're way richer than I am, but they're not billionaires. And maybe it's because they're doing what Tom said. They're like, I've got enough money now. I'm going to start spending it on supporting the arts or supporting research into good things. You know, the the big, 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 big billionaires, they're not doing good stuff with it. for the Well, moment. that's what Buffett's that's doing.
0: doing. Warren Buffett is giving away all of his money. He and so the does.
1: Disney heiress, whatever her name is, she is, too. Yeah. And um, what he's been, yeah.
0: Yeah, but Buffett says that well, what the deal is, he's leaving his kids enough money so that they can live and be comfortable, but so they still have to do something, right? It's smart enough, he's smart. He's leaving enough enough money so that they still have to do something, and then the rest of it, he's giving it all away. We're
2: yeah. in late stage capitalism, you know, like Rome is falling, yeah, and it's going to be so interesting to uh, capture our last of days.
3: Oh, I agree completely. I mean, it, to me, it's like it's just it, it's uh, the people who are so against um, educating our, you know, our, our people are the ones that are pulling all the uh, strings and they don't want people educated and knowing what's what's going to happen. It's going it's going downhill in a rocket sled. I mean, people Damn. are, you know, this generation. Is going? What happened? Because they can't. Nobody can afford a house. Nobody, none, nobody in their thirties, you know, uh, that I know out here. Especially if you're in your thirties, early, early thirties, mid thirties, forties, even, you can't. And you haven't. You're not a homeowner yet. You're never going to be a homeowner. Never.
1: I was a homeowner before I got divorced. I will never be a homeowner again. And I'm in my sixties,
0: and I well, just I'm renting. So, so somebody dies and leaves you a house, you'll be a homeowner.
3: Yeah. That's,
2: yeah. 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 Or you win the
3: lottery. Yeah,
2: like, you, know. Then all the, you know, there's the reverse mortgages against the houses. But, Tom, you know, there's this uh, when you were saying, you know, heroin addicts or opioid addicts, I like them over billionaires. Well, they are the addicts because of billionaires. If you watch Dope Sick and, you know, Big yeah. Pharma and, you know, that sociopaths. One. So they're making they're more sociopaths so they can make money more money off of it. And um, I've been working on a joke about, you know, being in the Bay Area uh, Where it's not funny, it's really not funny, but it's uh, you know, very dark and real. But um, I would go to grad school, and which what a privilege! My family, what a stupid thing! I was married to someone with money who I thought was rich at the time, not a billionaire, not connected to a billionaire, their family had money. But my classmate was the dean of freshman students at Stanford for 10 years, um, Julie, and uh, she wrote a book, How to Raise an Adult. And she would come to class and say, we lost another kid. Her kids went to school in Palo Alto. And I said, she said, we lost another kid, you know, and these kids were jumping in front of trains, uh, killing themselves. One of the highest suicide rates. And in my hometown, it's one of the highest, not, but it's like unintentional suicide rates from, uh, you know, opioid, like overdosing on drugs. and, And there's something of that sense of like in the Bay Area people have such high expectations they can't live up to it and where I'm from people have no expectations and we all just want to die one way or another and I'm like the way seems easier to me because at least you're not like stone cold sober jumping in front of a, a train and that's a very it's not a joke worked out but it is yeah. something that I, can't, I was going to say I'm, where are you I'm, going with this bit <laughs> it's, not, it's not a joke at all but it's like yeah. to that answer like people in their 30s I am in my 30s and it's like if you we don't have there's a lot of hopelessness and a lot of like, oh, I'm not I didn't achieve this, I'll never have this. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? There's what's the
0: cost a- of right now to live? What, what's it cost to rent an apartment in New York right now in Manhattan?
2: I um am blessed and highly favored and live in a rent stabilized apartment in Greenwich Village, which is just people I didn't know anybody, I didn't know anything. And my family was like come back to Texas during the pandemic. I was nannying. And I did a show in a bike lane every Friday cause you couldn't sell tickets past the hat type of thing. Um, and cause all my, my writing work was drying up. And I say this to say, I pay about, uh, all like 2,500 and that's rent stabilized in one that of the most, expensive rents, uh, probably like 450 square feet. And I, um, recently fell in love with a comedian, uh, who also has a day job in a nonprofit and, uh, so now we at least get to uh, split the rent. And uh, <laughs> and that's like a couple of weeks ago. But it's like, you know, it's it's hard. And even getting a guarantor in an apartment like that, you have to make like 40 times the rent. You mm. have to, um, it's so classist. 40, our country, t-
0: four, zero, 40 times?
2: Yeah, our, our country is so classist. And I've always said this. I'm like, we're more aligned in uh, class than we are race. Um, and it is... I mean, I'm a white woman, so people just assume I'm rich, and I love that for me. <laughs> but uh, I, um, you know, I it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and it's like people. I, I get so mad because I have a running list of amazing comedians I love who are the kids of billionaires, or the kids of super wealthy people. And one of them is like Nick Kroll. And I was that kid from a small town in Texas reading backstage magazine. And it would be like, Nick Kroll, I I supported, what what do you do for a living? I support myself by teaching improv. And that's a great way to work on your craft and make money. And I'm like, oh, Googling him, searching him. I'm like, oh, his dad owns Kroll Industries. And he's a billionaire. And you're telling kids in rural Texas, they can move to New York (laughs) and teach improv. And like, pursue comedy and it's like no you can't and even with the writer's strike when people are like i stand with the writer's strike i'm like i've written for a lot of stuff i've never been in the guild my friends who are in the guild mostly have had rich parents or really lucky breaks that they they keep afloat and i've done these gigs and i'm like pay teachers more i was gonna be i have a graduate degree and it was gonna have to go to school again for a year to get be a teacher and make as much money as i was making nanny and doing other gigs it's like this country has a wealth gap and a work wage gap and a I mean, there's a lot of problems.
3: Did you see what uh, Bill Maher said on his podcast thing to Jim Gaffigan about the writers? You know, you know, what do they deserve to make a living? What do they do? You know, (laughs) what? Are you serious? Yeah. You said that? Yeah. Gaffigan's jaw was uh, on the floor. Was he kidding? Uh, No, no. In case you haven't know, uh, in case this, uh, this must be a secret to some people out there, but Bill Maher's an asshole. I totally I've no, to I I've, n- I've known Bill for a long long time. I don't care to know I have done I, I had a thing that happened that I'm done with him and but he's always been an asshole but he's always had that borderline nice guy thing too. But he he um Kevin Rooney um used to be the head writer for uh, Real Time and one day he just came home. He just went no nope. Bill Maher uh you know went to his office and said, "Hey Kevin, you got to start bringing the funny." And Kevin Rooney is like one of the funniest human beings that, you know, ever a guy who can, you know, hold court in front of like a bunch, like 20 comics. And everybody's like, he's he's quiet as a mouse, just waiting for his the next words to fall out of his mouth. And Bill Maher had the audacity to say that to Kevin. And Kevin just went home to, you know, F you and see you later. Bye bye. And I don't even know if he said that. He just went home and never came back. uh, His agent he called his agent and said, I'm not going back in. If they got a problem, they can sue me. I don't care. You know, um- That's
0: my story. I'm, 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 <laughs> this is pre Uber. I'm, I'm, uh, was was going from Burbank to uh, in a cab to a meeting in Los Angeles that I had. And the cab driver just make a small talk and says, So what do you do? And I said, I'm a comedian. He goes, I gave a comedian a ride one time. Dilmar, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> cab driver
3: he's a condescending <laughs> asshole he's an amazing he's, asshole like
0: cab says
1: like he
3: this. like he gets a like residual checks every time he's an asshole he gets even more money that's how you know how much of an asshole he is i think he thinks he's getting paid for it
1: and he's i mean i don't know him personally i don't have i don't know cab drivers who know him personally but my I, my husband <laughs> used to like the show but i never thought he was particularly funny i did like that he had a range of guests on but he is really condescending especially to women and
3: well, he's, yeah. a, he's super sexist. He he's
1: is, super the other thing sexist.
3: is I don't know if you've been. I mean, I've I've stopped watching the show. I see clips every once in a while, but I know the guests, uh, the quality of guests have fallen off drastically yes. over yes. the last couple of years. I wanna,
0: yeah. Well, I'll tell you and what, just, I stopped watching him because I did because I, I would watch him periodically. You know, because I I like his monologue. Mm-hmm. I like the guests that he had on, and he 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 is a good interviewer when he's at his best. He's a, he really is yeah. a good interviewer. But when he goes on this this thing, about he goes off on this riff, um, and it wasn't really even a riff. It was a, a, a plea slash demand that Barack Obama had done set, the, the Tonight Show, and I think he did Letterman, and he did some others. And he goes, I donated a million dollars to your last campaign. Do my show. I am asking you to do a show. I gave you a million dollars. You know, the least you could do is do my show. So let me get this straight. You bought him. For a million for a million bucks, he he owes you because you because you donated a million, and of course he didn't do it. You know he didn't do it. But when well, I that would I, pretty I, much guarantee
3: that he wouldn't he yeah, wouldn't exactly. do it. You, you know, know? I was
0: so I was so offended by that. Just that 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 whole idea that you
1: he owned. is
3: the he is the uh, the poster boy for uh, privileged white guys. I and mean, he, white he, guys who think they were you know they're yeah, born they yeah they uh, I earned it. I earned you showing up on my show. You and know, you he always does that.
2: You. He should totally book all of us so we can go on there and say
3: it. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> especially you and me, Kate,
1: so that we can yeah. talk about them. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah. But he would only have one woman at a time when he had the panels, especially on the the uh, earlier one, the, uh, whatever the politics one was. Um, yeah, he'd only correct. have one woman at a time, so we'd have to battle it out.
3: Politically yeah.
0: correct.
3: He's always praising Republicans that come on as a guest, too, because they're, they're so brave to come on Bill Maher's show he's a yeah.
1: Republican who likes to smoke weed
3: <laughs> <laughs> most Republicans should smoke weed.
1: yeah should. remember what
0: he said that, remember what he said that got him canceled remember, remember uh, what, uh, they, uh, was, that
3: that that uh, the guys going into the 9 uh, 11 was they, they were, were cowards
0: they were that they no. that they were brave they were that, that well, really I don't they think he it,
3: honestly. He says
0: getting a plane and to fly a plane into a building—that's brave. To press a well, button for a thousand I, miles away and send a missile—that's
3: not brave. I will say that he what he said was they you know people call them cowards. They weren't cowards to drive to 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 you know dr- ride a plane into a building and know you're going to die is not a, really a cowardly act. You know, um, it's you know so. You know, I, I mean, I kind of defend him on that that aspect, but but he's he's got he's got a ton more stuff that, you know, that he said that, canceled, uh, you yeah know, that, uh, you know, from my book, I, 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 I don't believe in going out there and say Bill Maher should be canceled. I just stopped watching. Yeah. I just stopped watching because I just got irritated too many times with him saying contradictory things and not even realize what a hypocrite he's being. And I just went, you know what? I'm tired of yelling at the TV. Done. I got better things to do in my day. That's why I don't watch any of the I don't have to need I don't need to watch Tim Poole to to know he's an asshole. I don't need to know I don't need to watch Ben Shapiro to know he's an asshole. I see five minutes of him. Oh, I go asshole and I don't have to watch anymore.
1: (laughs) Although his burning Ken and Barbie as a protest for the Barbie movie was hilarious. Did you yeah, guys especially when you say, no
3: one's going to watch this ever again after the yeah. first week. It's going to totally drop off. When, but it looked know. just
1: like, I don't, for some reason, it reminded me of that scene of Rick Moranis playing with this, the action figures in Spaceballs. <laughs> <House. laughs>
3: he actually bought Barbies. That's the funny thing. To burn no, them. I think he already had them. It's like the, it's like the people who would buy Beatle albums to burn them after John Lennon said, we're bigger than Jesus. You know? Or who it's bought like, beer
1: cans to shoot them up to protest <laughs> You know, Bud Light. We
0: need more Beatle albums. Somebody go to the store. <laughs> With that, we are out of time. So uh so so let's talk let's talk some plugs. Uh uh Kate, where can people come and see you? What do you want to plug? Anything?
2: Um yeah, I'm I'm gonna be uh at uh in Dallas. I'm gonna be in Dallas. I'm, I mean I'm every month I'm at the stand. So you can see me at the stand. And oh, I'm gonna be at New York Comedy Festival at the stand. And i'm in December, I've got um, I'm featuring for Derek Drescher at uh one of the Helium comedy clubs. I can't remember. Uh, but I will think of it later. Cap, Cap, City, Cap City Comedy, sorry, in Austin, yeah.
0: Did you get a website?
2: Yeah, it, it'll be on my website, yeah.
0: Well, what's your website?
2: Oh, Kate Robards, sorry. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> yes, I have a Robards. website. I'm Kate Robards yeah, on everything. I was just thank asking you. for the hell of it, not that I needed to know so I could so, go there.
2: The whole time I'm talking, I'm waving a bone to keep this dog from... Um... <laughs> so, yes, Kate Robards, thank you.
1: Okay, Lauren? Uh, My website's laurenmayor.com, and um, right now I'm in the middle of directing a middle school show, which is why I'm in front of this theater here, and they gracefully let me do it. So I'm not doing a whole lot of performing, but I always have a song come out every Friday. It's on my website, Psycho Supermom. Um, I'll preview the one that's coming out. Friday is about money being wasted in political campaigns and why we should have campaign finance reform. That's funny. Let's see if I can make campaign finance reform funny, and then I do a monthly live stream on YouTube uh, and Facebook. um, Facebooks, which is face my Facebook page, is learning your comedy songs, and that's October first. And you go to my website and buy all my albums, because I have a bunch of comedy song albums. And
0: Tom, you, uh, you you got, you got the documentary.
3: Yeah. yeah. And you can go it's on to it. my website, which is Tom Sawyer voices. That's Tom Sawyer, like the book or the rush song, your preference uh, voices.com. And if you go there uh, you'll hear a lot of my demos and my commercial work and uh, animation work. And also um, you'll see amazing pictures from the last uh, 30 years of Cobb's comedy club uh, so many great photos on Cobb's comedy club page. And there's a direct link to the documentary, the comedy club. Uh, it's a, it's a good uh, uh, half uh, hour and a half movie. And I think you know, most people will enjoy it.
0: All right. Well, I, w- I want to thank you all for being with me today. I ap- appreciate it. It was fun. Do it again. Okay. Lauren, I know you'll come back. I appreciate it. <laughs> now now I, I, I know you'll, I know you
1: I have back. no life, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tom and hope you. hopefully you'll come back and join us. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Nice to meet you both.
2: So nice to meet you all.
0: All right. well that's going to do it for this week Uh, If you want to uh, support us A number of ways that you can do that Uh, One is you can go to uh, Whatever platform you are listening to us on Whether it's iTunes Or or Stitcher or Spotify Give us a five star review That helps people to find the show If you are watching us on YouTube uh, We're trying to get a thousand subscribers We need a thousand YouTube subscribers In which case then We can do the show live and we, which is great because then we can take your comments while we're doing the show live. Because right now we record on Wednesdays and everything drops on Thursdays. But I would love to do it live to so be able to you know, incorporate comments from those of you who are uh, watching and listening. So I'll check out next week. So then be kind to of your neighbor. He knows where
3: you're near.